God, I pray that you would afresh just help us to wrap our minds around the miraculous story of Christmas and uh, grab our hearts with it, that we would become worshipers of you like we never have before. Open our eyes, I pray, afresh this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And as I was reading the Christmas story this week, and I, I would encourage you all, if you, if you don't do that during this time of year, to do that in Matthew and in Luke, just to take some time during the week to read Matthew 1, 2, 3, Luke 1, 2, 3, and just be amazed. As I was reading again, I mean, in Matthew 1, just a few verses there at the end of Matthew, I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> The God of the universe implanted in the womb of a virgin so that the God of the universe could become human so he could die for us. It's pretty boring stuff. That was a joke. Yeah, that was a joke. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right. Okay. Pretty, pretty incredible. Um, so I went to college in uh, California, Biola University in La Mirada, California, with my sister. We were there three years together. And uh, we were so close that everybody thought we were boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> um, we had a wonderful time going to college together. But for my sister, Deb, and myself, going home those years we were in college together was always a highlight of our year. Christmas vacation, Easter vacation. As much as you know, we enjoyed the independence of uh, being away at school and being away from our parents, we anticipated going home. And we didn't have our own cars, so we were always looking to scrounge rides from anybody that we could in order to go home uh, at Christmas and vacation times. And oftentimes it was like a last minute, you know, can we find a ride? Can we not find a ride? And uh, one Easter vacation, for example, we gave up. We, we, we tried everyone that we knew was coming to Washington from California, and we couldn't find anyone. So we called our parents and told them we're not going to be able to come home for Easter vacation, and we kind of resigned ourselves. But the Saturday before the school got out on Friday, that Saturday we found a ride. Incredibly, somebody needed two riders, and so we left on Saturday afternoon, drove straight through and arrived, I grew up in Port Orchard, Manchester, Washington, and uh, drove straight through and arrived Sunday morning uh, as, our, as the church service was beginning and surprised my mom sitting in the front row. My dad was a pastor um, sitting on the platform, and uh, we looked forward to those times. Um, and we went, th we went through some crazy experiences getting home. Uh, one Christmas, um, coming out of the mountains in Roseburg, Oregon, um, I'll confess I was driving. Uh, 
we hit black ice and uh, flipped over um, on the freeway on I-5, um, ended up upside down, four of us in the car, God mercifully protecting, none of us were hurt. Um, and I must confess again, I've only totaled three vehicles. Two cars and one motorcycle. And I, God obviously still wants me around. I, I also was on a, a, a gillnet fishing boat that was burned to the water line. So, God, um, I'm here. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> coming, coming back, we, we hit black ice, we flipped over, uh, the car was totaled and towed to a junkyard, and, and we were crushed. We were about a little over 100 miles south of Portland. We were supposed to be driving all the way home. What were we going to do? I mean, home <laughs> is where we were headed. So the police took us to the junkyard where the car was. The windshield was shattered. Um, one of the tires was... Um, pretty mangled, so we were able to replace the tire and bend out the fender that was rubbing against the tire. We drove without a windshield <laughs> to Portland, Oregon. It was cold. Uh, remember, there's black eyes. Uh, my sister and myself and these two other guys, you know, one of the guys that it was his car that I totaled, um, he, we were still friends. <laughs> and we arrived in, at the Portland airport just after midnight, 10 minutes before the last flight was leaving for Seattle. We had managed to scrounge together almost to the penny between the four of us, money for my sister and I to catch that last flight, we flew home and arrived in Seattle um, somewhere around the middle of the night. We had called our parents from Portland and, and they, they met us. Uh, going home, that was for us um, what we looked forward to. Now I realize that some of you probably going home wouldn't have the same wonderful uh, experience. Um, for some of you, maybe you left home or you got kicked out of home or you were abused in your home or uh, abandoned by your home. Um, home was not home sweet home. But for, but for me uh, and my sister, as we spent four years away from home and home was home sweet home and we were always looking forward to home because home was where our mom and dad were and where we wanted to be. The last two weeks we've been talking about where home was for Jesus as we've tried to capture the, the importance of Christmas and what Christmas really means to us. Um, Bethlehem was where Jesus was born. Insignificant Bethlehem. It was a no-place little town, and yet that's where the God of the universe chose that his son would be born. Why is that? 
he didn't have to have Jesus born in Bethlehem. He could have had him born in Jerusalem. He could have had him born in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a popular city, in a big city, but he had him born in Bethlehem because the God of the universe wanted to teach us by the place that his son was born that, that greatness isn't about where you're born or what your family name is, or the job you have, or the amount of money you make. But the greatness, or what makes us great, is because we've been created in the image of God, and we've been redeemed by the Son of God, who died on the cross for us. That's what greatness is. And we learn that from Jesus' first home. Do you know that this morning? That <laughs> you are significant because of who you are in Christ, created in the image of God and redeemed by Jesus on the cross. That's what we learned from Bethlehem. And then from Bethlehem, after Jesus was born, um, you know, actually his second home was where? Anybody? Egypt. That's right. His second home was Egypt, where, and we don't know exactly how long, but he lived for a while. Um, after being in Bethlehem. And then they moved, their family moved back to Nazareth where Jesus spent the last maybe 27, 28 years of his life uh, before his ministry began at age 30 or 31. Despised Nazareth. That's what Nazareth was. As Daniel shared last, last week, just, just a couple hundred people living there because nobody wanted to live there. Nazareth was, it, it wasn't insignificant, or, but it was like the other side of the tracks. It's the place that nobody wanted to be known that they lived there. Like, oh, you're from Nazareth? Isn't it amazing that that's where God had his son grow up as a human being in a despised town that nobody would want to be known as being from unless it was that the God of the universe wanted us to know that no matter how despised or rejected you are or how you feel that in Christ you are totally and fully accepted by God. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you. It doesn't matter what anybody says about you. In Jesus, if you are in Jesus, you are absolutely, totally, fully accepted by God. Isn't that, a, isn't that beautiful? But for Jesus, I don't think that Bethlehem or Nazareth, either one of those places was really considered home to him. Even though he was known as, well, being a Nazarene, that's what he was called, born in Bethlehem, I don't think that home, like I described in the beginning, is where Jesus really considered home to be. Now, I could ask the question, where do you think that was? But then you could probably look up here and know the answer. <laughs> Jerusalem. Jerusalem, I think, is where Jesus really considered home. The question that I want us 
to consider this morning is, what was it about Jerusalem that drew Jesus home? That drew his heart home, that drew his passion, his purpose home. And so we're going to read, if you want to, if you're in Luke 2, I'm going to read this morning for us uh, just to begin to get a glimpse. And as we talk about what home meant for Jesus in terms of his heart, okay? In terms of his heart. Luke 2, if you want to follow with, along with me, I'm going to start in 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And so when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, and then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Twelve years old, remember? And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And notice Jesus' answer when his mother, Mary, says, Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. In 49, Jesus says, Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? but they did not understand what he was saying to them. His father's house. So there's two things I want us to see this morning that, that I think really capture the heart of Jesus and why for him the temple was home. Um, and if I, just two words that I want to, I want you to remember. Um, G- Jesus' passion and Jesus' purpose. And they're both captured by his heart being captured by the temple. Um, In Matthew 3.17, when Jesus is beginning his ministry and uh, uh, he's been baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, It says a dove, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descends upon Jesus, and a voice from heaven comes, and the voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. And with him, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm delighted. I'm pleased. In John 2, 13 to 17, if you'd turn there, it's as we capture Jesus's passion and his delight here. In John chapter 2, verse 13, it says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, another Passover occurrence, it says, Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and in the temple courts he found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. 
in his father's house. And he made a whip out of cords. This is meek and mild Jesus. And drove them from the temple courts, the sheep and the cattle, and he scattered the coins of the money changers, and he overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal, passion, jealousy for your house will consume me. The closest thing that I could come to this is what could have happened last night as Cindy and I were at a, at a home at a Christmas party. Um, a friend of ours that um, invited us to his mother's and his Christmas party in Paulsbo. And uh, this is one of the nicest houses that I've ever been in. Um, every every room, and there were a lot of room in, rooms in this three-story house, uh, had antique Persian rugs, beautiful antique Persian rugs. Well, we happened to be in the master bedroom where his mother uh, stayed, which was larger than the downstairs of our house, her bedroom. And standing in the middle of this bedroom suite um, with this hand holding a tray of hors d'oeuvres and this hand holding a um, goblet of red wine. Oh, yeah, you're getting the picture here. <laughs> I, this hand kind of began to lose its balance. And so with this hand, I went to steady that hand. Yeah, you get the idea. <laughs> a meatball from this plate <laughs> fell onto this antique Persian carpet and some red wine from <laughs> this goblet went onto the Persian rug. You know, at that point, I could have lost a friend. He was so gracious, it's like nothing happened. And yet, that's what I'm thinking about. I mean, he could have been furious. I mean, the zeal for his mother's antique rug could have overwhelmed him and said, get out of my house. What are you doing? You clumsy oaf. Jesus' passion for his father's place. Um, in John 4.34, Jesus said, My food, the, the very thing that sustains me, is to do the will of my Father who sent me and to finish his work. And so for him to be in Jerusalem, in the temple, at home, in his Father's place, it's where his heart was and where he wanted to be and, and where his passion and zeal was. Um, as I, w as I was looking at this, and it's what I think continually, even in the midst of the threats on his life, would draw Jesus back to Jerusalem. Do we have that same passion 
that same passion for the Father that Jesus had. That's what struck me as I, as I saw this. You know, the same, the same passion that that caused my sister and I to make all kinds of friendships to get rides home <laughs> at Christmas and Easter, and that drew Jesus back to the temple. Do we have that same passion for for our heavenly Father? I think that's one thing that we could learn from Jesus considering Jerusalem his heart home. It's where his father was. But the second thing, and which really flows out of John 4.34, where Jesus says, my food, that which sustains me, is to do the will of him who sent me, is that I think what drew Jesus to Jerusalem and the temple, it wasn't just because it was his father's house. It wasn't his passion for his father but it was the very purpose for why he came. You know, in Matthew 121, Jesus was um, given the name Jesus by the angel who said to Joseph, the baby's name will be Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. And it's, the, it's why he came. It's, it's the name he was given to save his people from their sins. And so the draw to Jerusalem, and I want us to get this, it, it's, like, it's like Bethlehem, insignificance, Nazareth rejection, Jerusalem death. It's what drew him. It's the reason he was born, and it's, it's what the temple was all about. And I want you to see, let, flip back to Luke chapter 2. I want you to just see Jerusalem, the temple. In Luke chapter 2, verse 22, after Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, Luke 2.21, notice in Luke 2.22 it says, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, and this is dictated in, in Leviticus chapter 2, that after 41 days when the, the mother has gone through her purification time, on the 41st day, the newborn, the firstborn son was to be presented before the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And in verse 24, and it says, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And it was the sacrifice for the poorest of the poor. And the two doves or the two pigeons were for a burnt offering and a sin offering. In fulfillment of the law, because of the impurity that was illustrated by the birth of a new baby into this sinful world and carrying this sinful heredity into the world. The need for a burnt offering and a sin offering. How is this sin going to be taken care of? These sacrifices, hundreds and thousands, millions of them offered year after year after year for the sins of, of the peoples. How are these sins going to be taken care of? Through this baby Jesus who would take away the sins of the world. As we keep reading, we come to verse 25. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, the Messiah. 
and the Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple, and when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required to present him before the Lord, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. If you want to flip down to verse 38, as Mary and Joseph are there with Simeon, Anna comes up and coming up to them at that very moment, Anna gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. It was his reason for coming. And everything that surrounded his life from his birth to his life. It was all about his death. That's why he came. Verse 41, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover when the Passover lamb would be sacrificed, reminding them once more that they were looking forward to that Passover lamb who would come and take away the sins of the world the one who John the Baptist proclaimed in, in John 1.29, when Jesus arrived to be baptized by him, and John looked at him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, I think it's what drew Jesus to the temple. It wasn't just because of his passion for his Father, but because everything about the temple portrayed him. It's why he came to fulfill the, the objects, the, the candelabra, that he was the light of the world, the bread, the showbread that was in the temple, that he was the bread of life. Everything about it, from the, from the outer objects, the, the, the altar burnt offering, to the mercy seat and the holy of holies, it all portrayed him, the objects, the festivals, the feasts, and it's what drew him, what drove him ultimately to his death in Jerusalem because he was the answer to what people were looking for. In Luke 9, 44, listen to what it says. Luke 9, 44. As everyone's marveling at a miracle that Jesus just did, in verse 44, it says, Listen carefully to what I am about to tell you, Jesus said. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. And they didn't get it, but he did. Because in verse 51, notice what it says about him. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. It's why he came. It's why he was born. That's why he lived. It was to die. Verse chapter 13, 33 in Luke. Luke 13, 33. Jesus said, No prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, 
How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chick, chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Jesus' heart for Jerusalem. One more, Luke 19. As Jesus in Luke 19, 28 is going up to Jerusalem, we see the, the triumphal entry. In verse 38, the people welcoming him into Jerusalem. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Notice verse 41. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. This is his his city. It's his home. It's where his heart is. It's where his dad's house is. It's, It's the place that portrays and captures everything of why he came as the Savior of the world. He approaches Jerusalem. He weeps over it, and he says, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace? Himself, the Prince of Peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you, will encircle you, will hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. And this was going to happen in about 40 years because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you, your Prince of Peace. And as we look at this, uh, you know, we got to ask ourselves the question, not, not only do we have the same passion for the Father that Jesus did, but do we understand, do, do every one of us understand this morning during this Christmas season, which is so surrounded by, by, by commercialism, have we forgotten the purpose of why Jesus came? The Prince of Peace, the Savior of the world, has, has it become for us a sideshow to what Christmas has really become to us? the thing that drew him, that drove him, where he set his fate resolutely to Jerusalem to do what? To to die. That's why he was born. He was born to die. He lived to die. He came to die. Hebrews chapter 2 captures it so well. I just want to read this as we kind of conclude here. These are great verses. Because it wasn't just his passion for his father, it was his passion for us. And in Hebrews 2.10, it says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family, meaning Jesus and us are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I, the children God has given me. Think about it. I think, to summarize it, Jesus was drawn home to Jerusalem because Jesus loved his father and wanted to be in his house. Just like my sister and I, we wanted to be home. 
It's where home was. And, and Jesus wanted to be in his father's house because he loved his father. But he not only wanted to be there because he loved his father, but it's because he loved us. That's why he came. He came to bring us who had strayed from him, who were separated from him, the creation that he created to, in his image to be with him in relationship with him and yet strayed from him. He was driven back to Jerusalem so that he could draw us back into family relationship with him and his father. That's Jerusalem. He loved us, and so he deliberately returned home to die so that we could be with him forever. You know, Jesus' birth was purposeful. He was born to die. Jesus' life was purposeful. He lived in light of his death. His death was purposeful. He died so that we could live and be family with him. Just two questions. Do we love the Father like Jesus did? Do we? Do we have that same zeal for the Father like Jesus did? And number two, do we understand his love for us, his incredible love for us that drove him to die, drove him to Jerusalem to die that we might be redeemed? back in relationship with him. One of my favorite lines in a chorus is, amazing love, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me? That's why Jesus called Jerusalem home. Let's pray. It is for me to, to just to forget how incredible the story of Christmas is and why Jesus came. Father, stir within my heart, stir within our hearts, I pray a, fe a fresh love for the Father like you had and an incredible amazement and, and love for you because of your love for us that led you to the cross. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for loving us so much. Amen.